I invite you now to please take God's word and turn with me to our scripture reading this morning, which is found in the New Testament book of Luke. I'll be reading Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Once again, Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and, bid, and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for, for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to tell you about one of the more uh, memorable days of my life, a day I probably won't forget uh, anytime soon. And and I have to start uh, the story about this day with a picture Uh, Can anyone recognize where this picture was taken? Yeah, you guys are right. This is, uh, this picture was taken in Times Square. Is there anything about this picture that looks strange to you about Times Square? What did you just say? It was empty. Yeah. If, so this is the only time I've ever been, but I, I can only compare it to like pictures and stuff, right? Um, There's nobody here. So, um, so anybody have a guess as to why it's empty? <laughs> Maybe. So it was March 9th, March 9th, 2020, and I was in like the best mood ever. I mean, great mood. You couldn't, you couldn't discourage me at all, right? I'm on my very first ever trip to New York City. So I have to tell you that that wasn't really that exciting for me. Um, Like any true Texan, I had no desire to see the Big Apple. Uh, It's crowded, it's dirty, it's full of Yankees, right? No Texan, (laughs) no Texan wants to go to New York City. Like, no, I mean, and if they're excited, then they're not really a Texan. So But anyway, being in New York City was not the goal for me. Uh, It was only uh, so that I could get somewhere a whole lot more exciting. So, you see, uh, a member of my church, uh, where I I had been previously, um, had paid for me to get to go on a trip to Israel. Um, Incredible gift, incredibly generous thing. And I was on my way, right? 
And so all I had to do was meet this group in New York City, and we were going to fly from New York City to Israel. So I, like, got there the day before and, and uh, was, was going to be able to kind of spend a day there and then <clears throat> connect with this group in the airport. Now, there had been some rumblings on the news about this, like, flu thing that <laughs> had been causing problems in Europe, but, I mean... It wasn't really that big of a deal as far as I knew, right? But we had been assured, like, everything was fine. Yes, buy the plane ticket. Come to New York City. Israel is great with you coming. It's going to be perfect. It's the best time of the year to go. Let's do it. So, fly, land in New York City, and there I was. I don't know anything, right? I'm just looking at my map, just walking around, right? What's all this stuff that I should probably see in the four hours that I have to spend in, in, the, in the city? So I'm just, you know, walking around, and I see that, and I'm like, well, there's nobody here. What's, what's going on? I'd, I'd heard a whole lot more about this hustle and bustle of the city that never sleeps, right? Where is everyone? Why are they wearing these things on their faces, right? Um, so after touring a deserted New York City, I made my way to the airport, uh, and to meet the group. And so there's just a bunch of nerdy pastors all like so excited about getting to go to Israel. And, and here we are and everything's going according to plan. And so we're standing at the ticket counter um, uh, to, you know, to, to check in for our flight. We've got our luggage in hand. We're handing our luggage. We've got them on the scales. They're, they're weighing them. And then somebody said, hey, wait a second. And we kind of looked back. He said, grab your bag. And so I pulled my bag off the scale. I didn't know why. And he goes, look. And we looked up, and on the TV screen, right, is CNN. And the prime minister of Israel is giving a press conference. And we said, well, maybe we should wait and see what this says. And guess what the prime minister of Israel said? All international travel has been suspended, effective immediately. Needless to say, an amazing trip turned to chaos in a second. Then the question is what to do next, right? And so we're all scrambling. And it was in that moment, everything turned to chaos. And you guys probably remember it, right? It was in that moment, it was in that day that everybody just panicked, right? And so the next thing you know, they're canceling flights. You know, flight crews are refusing to get on airplanes. I can't get out of New York City. I can't get back to Texas. It took me you know, like 24 hours to finally catch a flight. And, and by the time I got home, life as all of us knew it had changed, right? In that day, March 9th, 2020, the travel group, we get home. They're like, hey, don't worry. In, the, in a few more weeks, we'll just reschedule this thing. It's going to be fine. Don't worry. We've been talking to people. This is just a precaution. Don't worry about it. Three more times I've had this trip planned. Things like Omicron and whatever letters, it's been canceled every time. Uh, each time I would sign up for the next trip with high hopes, okay, this is the chance, it's really going to happen this time. And then something crazy, right, some world-changing event would happen. And each time I would be disappointed. Uh, you, if you ask my wife, right, in our home, uh, a trip to Israel became code word for never going to happen, <laughs> right? I'd be like, no, Beth, for real. They said it's going to happen this time. And she's like, uh-huh, go ahead and take your time off work and we'll see, right? I, I, I've started to feel a little bit like probably the, the Israelites in the desert, right? The promised land is never going to come for me. 
uh, never going to get there. But if the years of COVID have taught us anything, I think it's that we are all more flexible with our lives than we ever imagined, right? Our schedules are, are much more flexible. We've all learned how to change and how to adapt. And we've learned new technologies and, and habits. And, and, and many have observed that, that, that one, one, one positive maybe out of all of this is that, that we, we gained a new perspective, right? And that maybe we aren't as in control of things as we originally thought that we were. This morning, we're going to get a lesson in humility from James. James is kind of just checking off boxes of our lives of all the things that we need to fix. And, and we're going to work on a new one this morning. How do we go about our days? How do we make plans? Is it possible even to make plans, according to James? And, and how much control do we ever have of our own lives? So those are the questions we're going to see this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning recognizing our sins, recognizing how much we need you, recognizing that we are not as big a deal as we think we are. Would you help us to hear your word, and not only to hear it, God, but that it would work in our lives for your kingdom, for your good, our glory and our good. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we, uh, we read in James. We're going to read verses 13 through 17. Come now, you who say... Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your, ignorant, in, in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. So we've spent the last few weeks looking at what we've called this kind of fork in the road, right? We've, we've got a path to decide uh, which, which one we're going to choose. And there, there is an earthly path full of the wisdom of the world. And then there's this heavenly path as we've, as we've seen. And, and, and it's full of the wisdom that comes from God. We saw that the, the path of the world is, is full of, of selfishness, it's full of envy, uh, getting what we want, fighting and mistreating others in an attempt to get our own things. And we saw last week, he says, you must submit, right? Submit to the things of God. Submit your lives to God. Want His things and give up your own. The real choice, if you boiled it down, right, the real choice between these two paths is whether we want to live lives for ourselves or live live lives for God. Do you want to live for yourself or do you want to live for God? That's really the choice that we're talking about here. And so in our passage this morning... um, most think he's, he's going to continue this, this train of thought and, and sort of give us an example of what that might look like, right? We're going to get a real-life example. One of, one of the things that we as, as humans tend to have in common is a, a quest for security, a, que- a quest for self-sufficiency. We want to be on our own. We want to be in control. The, the tendency continues that the more we get, 
right? The more we get, the less we tend to acknowledge God and our need for him, right? And we talked about that. I, I told you that story about the pastor I met in Africa who said, you know, you, you guys kind of think you have it better. We actually might have it better because we have to trust in God for our daily bread. And, and you guys kind of really think you're on your own. You don't really see that as, as, an, as, a, as a faith statement like we do, right? The, the more we have, the less we tend to acknowledge God. In, in verses 13 through 14, James is going to pop this bubble, if you will, uh, of this kind of self-sufficiency. He says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and, and trade and make a profit. He says, yet you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. See, p- people who are overly busy uh, and, and preoccupied with carrying out their own plans, right? They, they, they never once stop to consider that, that, that God, not, not themselves, control their futures and their internal destiny, destinies. God is the one in control. Despite our, our best efforts to control our futures, not any of us, not one of us in here could really say that we know what tomorrow is going to bring. We've all experienced that. that that's, that's what kind of the last couple of years has been for most of us. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And, and this attitude that we feel like we're in control, uh, it falls under what a lot of scholars call the, the sin of presumption, right? The sin of presumption. And, and, and I think we can kind of forget three things when we, when we fall into this sin of presumption. There's, there's three things we lose sight of. The first is that we forget our ignorance. James says, you think you know everything. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Not a year from now, not five years from now. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Who do you think you are? The second thing is we forget our own frailty. James says that our life is like a mist gone in a flash, right? A mist that's gone in a flash. So this, this do everything wet in the morning thing I have to admit, is new for me. Uh, Amarillo is such a dry place. We don't get that. And so in the morning, it doesn't, you don't have to like, get all the, the, you know, the, this mist off your car or whatever you can't see when you go to drive in the morning. What, what is going on? This has been a new experience for us. But, right, but in no time, it's gone. Right? As soon as the sun kind of gets up and, and, and things kind of clear out, it, it's going to be gone. It's not, it's not going to stay all day. James says, just remember, your lives are like this. It's no different. Your lives are, are, are here today. They could be gone in a flash, right? just like the mist. Third, we forget our dependence on God. You and I don't control the weather. We can't control the government. We can't control the news. We can't control the actions of others. Right? And, and when you have experienced health difficulties, you, you even understand that there are things in your own life, things in your own body outside of your control. Things outside of our control are happening all the time. And, and I know that I have kind of harped on this in the last couple of weeks, but, but, but this culture that you and I live in, right, the messages that we hear, right, this, this message of America is about 
control. It's a message of control. Control over the channels that you have and don't have. Control over the TV that you watch. You want to watch it whenever you want to watch it. You don't have to wait. You don't have to sit through commercials. You have control. Control over your own body and all of your own choices. Control over your finances. Take control of your aging. You name it. Right? Our culture sells control. The customer is always right. We always get our own way. Think about the financial uh, and insurance ads that we see all the time on television. What's the picture that they're trying to paint for you? These happy people who are enjoying retirement because they don't have any worries. They've taken control of their finances. They've taken control of their future by how well they planned it. No doubts, no questions, all under control. That sounds nice. I like that, right? I think I'm going to give my money to them because they, they, they can handle it. I don't have to worry anymore. Just like the guy said in Luke chapter 12, I can sit back and relax, eat, drink, and be merry because I worked really hard. So at this point, if you're tracking with me, you're probably wondering a couple of things. Nick, should I not have insurance or a retirement plan? Is that what you're saying? Is it bad that I make plans? Is it bad that I have a scheduler? Is it bad that my phone reminds me of things? Make reservations? Is that what James is saying here? Well, I'll just tell you kind of now, and then we'll explain it a little bit more. But James is not saying that we should never plan. That's not what he's saying here. In fact, if you look at verse 15 again, he says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. There are plenty of references in Scripture to being wise and to planning, right? To making sure that you have the, 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 the amount of money that you need before you try to build the tower, right? Don't look like a fool and get halfway done. Saving and planning aren't bad. This, this passage has caused a lot of people to, to kind of go too far in the opposite direction and, and, and take this where James didn't intend. Some, some people call this Christian fatalism. So someone might say, well, since, since James said it's a sin to plan ahead and, and that's arrogant, and, uh, then I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. No goals, no ambitions, no career, just exist. Because I can't know what God has planned. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go for it at all. Just going to do nothing. I think Scripture teaches against this kind of laziness. It, It seems as though we can turn that into a sort of a justified sloth. Right? I don't have to do anything because I can't know the future. I'm just going to sit here. That's, that's nowhere in Scripture. Let's, let's see more in depth what he is saying we should do. So, so there's a new phrase in, 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 in Christian circles that's, that's been coined in the last few years. And, and, and that term is called functional atheism. Functional atheism. And, and that term is described, uh, used to describe the lifestyle of those who um, would consider themselves Christians, 
but their, but their faith is so segregated for the, from the rest of their lives that, that they, don't, they don't live anything like a Christian might live in, at all. They might come to church or they might, you know, give Sundays uh, to their faith, but the other days are about themselves, right? I've done that. That's a totally separate thing. I'm, this is mine now, and I'm going to do with it as I want. Their faith isn't considered in, in anything that they do, any decision that they make. They're, they're not considering Scripture. They're not considering faith. And unfortunately, uh, statistics show us that there's an overwhelming majority of, of American Christians that we would essentially call functional atheists. Their faith is a complete separate thing from the way that they live their lives for the rest of their time. Functional atheists. This is what James is talking about. This is what he's speaking against. He is very clear that, that, that the person who lives um, according to the wisdom of God is a person who, who submits to God in every area of their life. Right. So if you say you have faith in him, you ought to submit to him in every area of your life. He says it this way. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. James is making clear here that the the issue is humility. right? The issue is humility. Too many people go about their lives as if they're the center of the universe. And it would be really easy for me to just pick on a certain age group, right? And just talk about TikTok and selfie sticks and, and just say, look at the way that those people live. Like they're the center of the world. But, but James says this is an ageless problem. It's, a, it's for every generation. All of us think about ourselves way too much and we think all of this is about us. We have a me problem. We have a me problem. And so let me just give you a few things quickly that we can do as we go about our lives to, to, to live well, to live in a, the, the way that James says that we should. And the first is to dedicate your plans to God. This is an act of humility. God, all that I want to do today, I want to do it for you. Are you living in such a way that your, your life could be given as an offering to God? Or would he say, this is vile? This isn't an offering. I don't want this. Dedicating our lives, dedicating what we do, dedicating our plans to God. God, I want to do this if you want me to do it. It's yours. Second, confess that you need his help, that you need his favor. And I think farmers have a head start on this concept, right? They, they know that uh, without the rains and without the correct weather, there's so much beyond their control. Things can be a disaster and it has nothing to do with them. They need God's help. They need His rain. You and I know businesses that were doing everything well and then the circumstances of the last few years shut them down beyond their control. There was a restaurant in Amarillo that I loved. I was so excited. It was doing great. And then what happened? It didn't reopen. It didn't reopen. It's beyond our control. Recognize that we need God's help. Third, 
Acknowledge that whatever you achieve is through the gifts and the favor of God. You may be a hard worker, right? Even if you think it's because of your talents and hard work that you succeeded, where did you get that talent from? Where did you get your strength and your abilities? Where did you get your endurance from? Where did that come from? Who made your feet and your hands and your mind and your ability to make good decisions? Your ability to do well at all is a gift from God. Acknowledge it. And and last, I would say, we need to recognize that we are stewards, not owners of everything. Your house, your car, your family, your finances, you're stewards of all of that. None of it is yours. You're stewards. Your money is His money. No matter what you think you did to deserve it, it ultimately belongs to Him. He can take it back whenever He wants to. And and remember, that money, Scripture tells it everywhere. James tells us this multiple times. We've seen this idea, right? This this money is not about our, our comfort. It's not about our security. That's not why He's given it to us. It's a gift from Him to be a tool that we're supposed to use to serve His kingdom, to share who He is. Just like this story we saw in in Luke 12, right? What did he do wrong? It wasn't that he was a successful farmer. It wasn't that he he got excess grain and excess money. That wasn't what happened that was wrong. It was his attitude afterwards. It was what he did with it afterwards. He said, look, this is all going to be for me and my future comforts. I can just sit back now. He never asked, is there anybody else that would benefit? Is there anybody who didn't have a good year that's in need? Can I help somebody? God, what would you have me do with this? It was all about himself. I'm sure if I asked all of you, you know people, including ourselves, who daydream too much about the security that money brings. I hear it all the time when people talk about winning the lottery. Boy, if I could just win the lottery, right? If I just had blank, all my problems would be taken care of. That's the wrong mindset. We're all guilty of it. Not pointing any fingers. We're all guilty of it. We all have that number in our mind. If I just had this much money in my retirement account, I could stop having to worry. I could stop the whatever. I just need this number. Right? We can't rely on money. It could disappear in a moment. Where is your trust? Just like our lives, it could be gone in a flash. So what are you doing with it? What are you spending it on? Is it dedicated towards him? Instead, ask the question, what does God want me to do with this? God, how can I show your love and mercy and justice on this earth with what you have given me? How can I be a blessing to others? Those are the questions James is telling us to start asking with with the money that God has entrusted to us. If the Lord wills. So this is not just a magic phrase, right? Just putting that in front of anything. If the Lord wills, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, fixed it. Right? It's not just a magic phrase. It doesn't fix everything just by saying it. It's a lifestyle, right? James is telling us it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a state of mind, right? It's an act of submission and obedience that just acknowledges 
hey, this doesn't belong to me. This doesn't belong to me. My plans, they're my plans, but they're your plans. And they don't belong to me. And if you want to change them in a flash, so be it. It's yours. So I I hope to go to Israel someday. And and I'm going to work hard to try to come up with a plan to do it. I'd like to do that. Something that would mean a lot to me. And maybe I'll get to retire someday. right? Maybe that's going to happen. I don't know. We'll see. It will be a retirement not from the Lord's work, but maybe from a job. Right? That's maybe what I'll get to retire from. And I'm going to have to plan to make that happen. I'm going to have to be responsible right? and not be irresponsible with, with what he's entrusted me with. But only under the humility of submitting to Christ should I, I try to accomplish those goals. Recognizing it's all his. Everything I have is at his disposal Recognizing that I need him every hour, if the Lord wills. So I would encourage you, make saying that a habit as you go about your day. Not just as a catchphrase, but something maybe that can help you remind you, okay, this is not about, this day isn't my day. If the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. Not just saying it, more importantly, living it. Surrendering to him in submission. Let's pray. Father, our our homes, our cars, our retirement funds, our families, our relationships, our jobs, they're not ours. They're yours. Too often we are selfish and we foolishly think that we can keep them from you and hold them tight and, and protect them, but they're yours. God, would you help us have an attitude of humility, an attitude of submission, recognizing our lives, all that we have, they're a mist. They could be gone in a minute. Help us to give them to you. That's the safest place to give them. It's the safest place for them to be. Thank you, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.